Okay, we're on part four of this series, It's Your Turn. Uh, the premise is this, that we all have hopes and dreams. We all have things that we'd like to see happen in our lives. But so often we're hoping and we're dreaming and all the while waiting for it to be our turn and seeing everyone else have their turn and it never seems to be our turn. Well, God stirred me with all of this and said, I want you to get up in front of the church and say, it's your turn. It's actually your turn. Uh, everyone else can have their turn too. But you're not going to watch them have their turn while you're not having your turn. It's also going to be your turn. So I want to stir faith in you. I want to stir faith in you to believe that it's actually your turn. And the whole point of this is to keep pointing you to Jesus. Now, I don't want to get up here and say a bunch of nice things that make you feel nice. I want to stir due diligence in you to say, I'm pressing in. I'm praying. I'm pushing into Jesus. I'm getting my eyes off of myself and my situation and onto him because that's where the answer is. And as you go on that place, suddenly it becomes your turn. But we have to play our own part in that. The theme verse or passage that we're using is about this guy, a lame guy, who gathers at the pool of Bethesda. And it's here in John 5, verses 1 through 9. It says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there, uh, an invalid, for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so here's this situation where the disabled and the lame and the struggling and the invalids got together around a pool. And every so often, an angel would come and stir the pool. And while the water was still moving, when people got in it, they got healed. And so that's why they gathered there. And here's this guy, as the pool gets stirred, watching other people get in. But he can't move. He's lame. So he's watching everyone else always have their turn and never get in his turn for 38 years. How frustrating is that? But then Jesus shows up. And so I don't know how long you've been waiting for your turn, but I want to say this. Jesus is here. You know, Jesus came looking for him. He didn't go looking for Jesus. It's true today. Jesus is looking for you. The reality is, will you open your eyes and look at him? Because he's in this room. He's in and around your world. He's looking to you. Why? Because he's saying, it's your turn, but I want to partner with you. It interests me that I think so often we live in a society where everyone else does everything for us. And I'm sure the older generation in the room look at the younger generation and think, wow, when I was your age, I was doing a whole lot more. You know, whereas now we just do everything for them and they just bumble by and my Josh in the front row is going, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. (laughs) So true. (laughs) But we don't want to bring that into our faith. Where Jesus is saying, this is a partnership. This is me and you bringing heaven to earth together. I sent my friend, the Holy Spirit, to you so that we can partner and do something. I'm not going to do it all for you because I want you to grow in your faith and play your part in it. So I'm looking to stir faith in people, not just to to know some stuff, 
but to actually act out some stuff, speak out some stuff, live some stuff that partners with the authority that Jesus brings. When you look at every miracle in the Bible, there's a partnership that happens. You look at blind Bartimaeus. We know that story. He's blind. He cannot see. But he hears a kerfuffle and he hears that this guy Jesus is coming. He's heard about Jesus. So what does he do? Sit there and think, oh, Jesus will do everything. No. He says, Jesus, I need you. Touch me. He stirred, his faith was stirred that he knew he had to interact, he had to play his part, he had to reach out. He didn't sit there like a stuffed dummy doing nothing. And yet in church we're like, oh, it's never my turn. Oh, God of miracles is never showing up. Yeah, because we're sitting here like stuffed dummies doing nothing. There's not so many amens in the house. But can you see my point? Come on, do we believe in Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me, or don't we? Because if we do, let's activate some faith. Millie's going to get well. I don't know what your situations are, but if you'll activate your faith and partner with Jesus, miracles are going to happen. God is saying, I want my church to walk in miracles, not just healings, but all kinds of miracles. I'm not going to tell all our testimonies right now, but Sarah and I and our family, we're walking in some right now. But I want them to finish before I start saying what's happening. But good things are happening. Good things are happening in my life. Do you know why? Because I'm activating my faith and saying, God, I don't just want to read about it. I want to experience it. What do I need to do that? Because Jesus is walking around the pool saying, do you want to get well? You look at all the different miracles. I love the, the, the one with the faith of the centurion. Jesus is walking around the centurion, finds him and says, my servant is going to die. And he says, well, I'll come to your house. And the centurion says, you don't need to come to my house. I'm a man under authority. And when the leader gives the command, everyone does what they're told. So if you give the command, my son, my, my, my servant will get well. And Jesus said, what faith. You see, Jesus is looking to partner with people of faith. Is there any faith in the room? Because when we start stirring our faith, we're going to see some stuff. And it's going to be your turn. But we've got a part to play. I'm going to be enthusiastic, aren't I? The woman with the issue of blood. You look at all the famous miracles. She was ostracized and pushed out of society because she was bleeding. Don't touch me, you're unclean. Well, she hears Jesus in town. There's a massive crowd. She shouldn't have been there. But you know what? Something in her spirit stirred with faith. I've got to get to Jesus. Shove your rules. Shove your opinion on me. I don't care. I'm getting to him. And she gets to him. And all she does is touch his cloak. And Jesus turns around and says, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, well, of course someone touched you. You're getting bustled about in a crowd. No, 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 no. But power left me. Why did power leave Jesus? Because someone of faith reached out and touched him. He's looking to partner with the church. Can I stir your faith? I don't know what you're hoping for and believing for, but I know this much. Jesus is willing. Are you? We need to stir some faith. In this particular situation with the lame man here, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And he made every excuse under the sun. Well, no one's here to pick me up. Well, there's always someone before me. He never once just said, yes, I do, Jesus. But then Jesus said this, stand up and pick up your mat. Do you know that's where his faith kicked in? Because he had to do something. He didn't just float up off of the earth and go, ooh. He actually had to do something he'd never done before. Well, for at least 38 years that we know of, He'd been sat down for 38 years and Jesus says, stand up. I don't know what it is you haven't been doing for 38 years, but maybe Jesus is going to start challenging you to do it again. It's challenging, isn't it? 
But there's an action of faith here. And then he stands up. And Jesus wouldn't have asked him to do something unless Jesus had the power and authority to meet him there. Can we believe that Jesus has got the power and authority to meet you at your need? To meet you with the thing that you're after. I don't know what it looks like for you. And I don't even want to put words around it. I want you to know what it is you're believing for. But I know this. My God is able. My God is able. But he's saying, come on, I need a step from you. I need you to stand up. I need you to pick your mat. I need you to reach out. I need you to believe. I need something from you to work with because this is a partnership. Is there an amen in the house? I have called this uh, part of It's Your Turn Part 4. I've called it Back to the Future. It's kind of uh, to honour uh, Peter Copsey because it's his favourite film in the whole world. <laughs> and, um, uh, but th- there's, a, there's, a, there's a point to it. I want to look now today in today's sessions a little bit how sometimes our past is still affecting our present and if our past is affecting our present our present is affecting our future and so in the end if we're not careful our past is dictating our future and that's never supposed to be the way and we need to deal with it and there's so much link going through all these messages it is involved in how you think how do you think about your past because it's affecting your future then and have you got the faith to step out of your past Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And guys, Jesus has shown up today. So let's let everything change. God isn't so much interested in renovating your past. He's more committed to to releasing your future. You know, we can look back and go, I wish it was different. But it can't be different. It's how it was. It's how it was. You know, what we're going to do? Go piff, paff, puff and change it. It's happened. God can, though, do something in you in your present to see how you look at your past, which will release your future. He doesn't want to erase your past. He wants to transform its impact on you. Do you see? You know, this stuff's happened. But you know what? It doesn't have to have a negative impact on you anymore. Maybe you can learn from it. Maybe you can grow from it. Maybe you can use that experience to help someone else who's going through the same thing and say, actually, my God healed me and helped me, and I'm living a different life because I met him there. But it takes faith. It takes someone to say, Jesus, I need to deal with this because I'm not carrying it into my future. We're not pretending that things haven't affected you. I I know some of the stories in this room. I don't know all of them. But stuff happens in life which hurts and sticks and is difficult. We're not pretending that. But when Jesus enters the scene, we don't have to stay in that place where it continually affects us. We can deal with it, we can let it go, we can be empowered from it to live a better life. Is there an amen here somewhere? When the lame guy in our text receives his healing, does he keep living in the same place? I mean, we don't know that, it doesn't actually say that, but we're clever people. If you've sat somewhere for 38 years and now you can walk, are you going to stay there? Flashing lights. No. We have to assume, because we're intelligent people, he went on and lived differently and better. And so therefore, wherever you've been sat for all this time because of things that have gone on in your world, when Jesus enters the scene and says, come on, it's time to stand up and walk away, we don't stay there, we walk away. Yes, it happened. Yes, I learned some stuff. Yes, it was difficult, but it doesn't affect me anymore. Because I'm walking through with Jesus. There's two particular areas just in this thought process that I thought it was worth highlighting. And they are forgiveness and confidence. You know, when stuff happens to you, often it could be your own fault. And sometimes it can be someone else's fault. So in terms of forgiveness, as you look back and maybe you think, oh, why did I do that? 
Why did I say that? Why did I allow that into my life? What was I doing there? Is it time to forgive yourself? Is it time to say, do you know what? Yeah, I made a poor choice. I was younger then. I was in a certain situation and I made a bad choice. Is it time to forgive yourself and let yourself go for that? You know, maybe you were always overlooked. Maybe you had people around you that hurt you. Maybe you had some abuse. I don't know. There's all kinds of awful things that happen in our world. But is it time to forgive? Because all forgiveness does is release you. So often when we talk about forgiveness, we think we're letting the other person off. But that's not quite the way it works. Because when you hold someone else in forgiveness, all you're doing is holding that issue in your heart. Every time you see them, I hate you. That thing you did to me, you're a disgrace of a human being. But you're not holding them, you're holding you. And so when you let it go and go, okay, God, I didn't deserve that, but I forgive them. What you do is you let it go and you let them go you're free forgiveness is more about you than about them and so i want to encourage you is there something in this forgiveness world that is causing you to be stuck i'm incapacitated and lame i can't get up because i'm so holding on to something that i've not let go for 38 years i don't know how far it goes back for you but it's worth thinking on could you change your thought process could you let that person go and therefore let yourself go What about confidence? You know, when you keep going on a cycle of forever having the same results, I'm never getting there. The door never seems open. I never get my turn. I'm looking at everyone else. Everyone else is getting the the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, the wife. Everyone else is having a baby. Everyone else is getting the job. Everyone else is getting their healing. Everyone else has had the financial breakthrough. And I'm just still flipping stuck here. We've all been there, I'm sure. But what happens then is you start to lose your confidence. Well, there's not much point trying because I've tried so many times over the years. It's easy for you, Pastor Barry, standing up there saying that, but you don't know how many times I've tried. And I go around the same cycle and I try and I ask the questions and I push the doors. And in there's not much point. And what happens is your confidence goes. And you end up living mediocre. You know, I think it's very difficult in England to live poorly because we live in England, for crying out loud. Most people have got a home. Most people have got food. We're okay. But God didn't call us to mediocre. Jesus said, I came that you'd have life and life in its fullness, life in abundance. That's what God came for. So that's what we should be experiencing and expecting. So if we've lost our confidence, what do we do with that? When we go round and round in circles thinking, oh, what on earth? I tell you what we do. We look back to Jesus again. Because there's various passages I could have brought out here. But here's one for you. Proverbs 3 and verse 26 says this. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see, when you can't have confidence in yourself, what you can do is have confidence in Jesus. Because is Jesus able to open that door? Is Jesus able to bring that thing to you? Is Jesus able to be the lifter of your head? And if the answer to that is yes, you can put your confidence not in yourself, but in him. Which is always the best way. And so therefore, we need to be letting people go because we're letting ourselves go. And if we've lived in a cycle for so long that we're struggling and it's like, it's never my turn. Get your confidence off of yourself and get your confidence into Jesus. Because he will always win. Always. And you know what? He loves you. He didn't hang on a cross dying a death he didn't deserve because he was saying, I think you're okay. I don't mind you. You're not bad on a Sunday. 
He hung there to say, I totally love you. I've given everything for you. I'm sowing all that I have into you. I love you. I forgive you. I empower you. I'm with you. Put your confidence in me and watch your world change. But do you know what it is? It's a partnership again. You need to put your confidence off of yourself into him. He can't do that for you. God is a God of relationship. You know, how many times have we had this debate about religion and relationship? You know, religion being man's attempt to live the right way so that you please God, which you could just never do. Whereas relationship is actually, I don't get it right all the time, but I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, great, you'll do me. I love you too. You're forgiven. My righteousness is your righteousness. My holiness is your holiness. It's not about who I am and what I do. It's about my relationship with God, which causes me to want to live my best life and do my best all the time, but I don't get it right all the time. It's the difference between a religion and a relationship. And my Jesus is into relationship. He declared it when you hang on a cross. But can you see this whole idea of partnership? I think sometimes we look back, uh, especially those of us who are a little bit older, and you look back and you think, what was I doing? You know, you're a bit embarrassed about some of the things you've done and said and thought and situations you've found yourself in. And then you start getting, in, your faith starts getting stirred, and you start thinking, well, how on earth could God use someone like me? I've been a right muppet in my life. How could God use that? But you know what? I love Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, and I encourage you to read it, you'll find a list of the heroes of faith. You know, the men and the women that God points to and says, look at them, look at the life they live. They did awesome stuff. That inspires you. But when you look at the heroes of faith and their life, it's very, very interesting. Jacob is one of the heroes of faith. But you know what? Jacob cheated his own brother out of his inheritance. Jacob swindled his own dad by dressing up as his brother. What on earth? Yet he's a hero of faith because he wrestled with God. And he said, I know I've done that, but I'm not staying there. And God says, I love that man's faith because he'd done some stupid stuff, but he looked to me. He's a hero of the faith. Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat was a big head. He gloated, I've had a dream. And you're all going to bow down to me. Even mum and dad are going to bow down to me. Because God has told me I'm the best. <laughs> he went on to be the most powerful man on the planet. Why? Because God saw something in his heart. And although he had made some silly choices as a young man, God developed him and took him on a journey. But his past didn't hold him there. I don't know what you've done, how you feel about yourself, but I know this. Your past doesn't have to hold you there. Moses killed a man and yet led the, the Israelite people out of captivity. Rahab. Rahab was so influential when the walls came down, she was the one who enabled it to happen for the spies. She was a prostitute. I'm sure we'd all have an opinion on that. But you know what? God saw something in her. And she is now a hero of the faith. I don't know what you've done, but you've probably not been a prostitute. Well, no, maybe, I don't know. We might be that kind of church. But I tell you what, a prostitute would be welcome in this church. They would, wouldn't they? Because when they meet Jesus, maybe they could go on to be a hero of the faith. Because God loves those people too. I got off track a bit there, didn't I? Gideon. Gideon just saves his nation. But he had low self-esteem. He's like, I come from the smallest tribe and I'm the least in my tribe. Who am I? I'm rubbish. How many of us feel like that sometimes? Well, Gideon did. But you know what? He looked to his father in heaven and something of faith stirred in him and he went on to save a nation. Hero of the faith. David committed adultery. And on top of committing adultery, sent the the husband out to die. 
I mean, that's not cool. But God saw something in him. And he didn't allow his poor decision making and, and the awful things he did and thought and said to hold him there. He grew, he learned, God forgave him, he moved on, became a hero of the faith. I don't know what your history says about you, but I know this. You can be a hero of the faith. Yeah. But it means partnering with Jesus. Every single one of those people had a reason to be incapacitated, to be lame, to be stuck. They could have all looked at their lives and said, how on earth could God use someone like me? But all of them chose. Can I say it again? All of them chose. Turn to the person next to you and say, they chose. And this is what they chose. They chose to believe that God was bigger than their past. They chose to believe that God is able. But in making that choice, they went on to live extraordinary lives. And I want to say this, church, I don't know what your hopes are, but if you'll step away from your past and meet Jesus there, you have the potential to go on and lead an extraordinary life. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a church full of people living outrageous lives, just blessed beyond measure, just talking about, wow, I can't believe what happened to me this week, but, but God was in it, and this happened, and that happened, and the other thing happened, and you know, I've learned some stuff, and I've grown, and just we want to be living these lives, don't we? But it takes choice, and it takes faith. It's a partnership. You know, I even look at myself. You know, you've heard lots of my stories of my past and football and all those different kind of things. But as a young guy on the football circuit, I made some terrible choices. And the, the guys I used to hang out with back then, if they knew that I was leading a church and was a pastor, they'd probably crack up laughing. But you know what? Yeah, I was a kid and I made some stupid choices. But you know what? That doesn't hold me. That doesn't define me. It's not who I am. See, my righteousness is in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, all things are possible for me. And that's how I'm going to live. I'm not going to look back and go, oh, wow, you know, I'm rubbish. No, no, I'm going to look back and say, my God's awesome. And I'm moving forward with him. That's how I'm going to live. I choose. How about for you? Can you choose today to stop letting your past dictate your future? You can do that today. Is today the day you pick up your mat and move forwards? Is that day for you today? Uh, can you pass me that bottle on the front row there? I just want to show you a little something. This uh, bottle of water is not very heavy. And uh, to be quite honest, I could hold it for a long time. I'm quite a strong kind of guy, and most of you could too, I'm sure. But it's a small thing, but when you have things that happen in your life that you're embarrassed about, that... Uh, you know, maybe hurt you, what you do is you keep them at arm's distance. And it's all right keeping them at arm's distance, but you're still holding them. And I could hold this like this for half an hour, maybe an hour, but could I hold it for 38 years? And it's tiny, but it can impact me. And I wonder, church, what baggage are you carrying on a daily basis which is stopping you from being able to get up? Because if I held this for three hours, I'd get an achy arm. But then if I sat down and tried to hold this uh, distance with an achy arm, and Jesus said, get up. You can't get up until you put it down. And when you put it down, the miracle comes. 
And so there's all different stories in this room, all different backgrounds, all different things that have happened to you. And maybe lots of you have dealt with your stuff, and praise God, maybe another part of this series is for you. But if this is for you today, today is your opportunity. Put it down. Choose to put it down. In that choice, it's a faith choice that connects with Jesus. And Jesus looks like I can work with that. Because that was hard for you to do. Because you didn't deserve to go through that thing. And you've held it at arm's distance all this time. But it's keeping you incapacitated. Stop holding it at arm's distance. Put it down entirely. Because then I can come in and heal you. Because then I can come in and make all things new. But I want to partner with you. You know, maybe there's... You know, you've been let down by someone important in your life. Maybe there's grudges you've held on to. Maybe there's painful disappointments. Maybe there's been mistreatment or, or maybe you've always been overlooked. But I don't know what it is you're holding, but today is the day where I challenge you to let it go entirely. Don't even give it your thought time. Just say, Jesus, I'm giving this thing to you once and for all. I don't want to hold it anymore. It's keeping me lame. And give it to him. But then comes in the message about thought. You can't keep thinking there then, can you? You can't say, I've put it down and then keep thinking about it because you keep picking it up again. You've got to put it down, you've got to turn away, and you've got to walk forward. Do you think the lame guy walking around in his life, first time in 38 years, kept thinking, oh, but I was back there. I sat there. I I think I might go back. No, of course he didn't. But why do we do that? That was painful. That hurt me. That really got in me. I've been carrying it for years. Well, put it down and stop talking about it. Put it down and change your thought process on it. Change your thought process to think on Christ. Think on things that are good and lovely and helpful for your life. It's all biblical principles, but it takes men and women of faith who will choose that. You have to choose that. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it's possible. And how possible could it be for you if it means you get your dream, if it means you get your freedom, if it means it becomes your turn, is it actually the thing you're holding on to that's preventing you from having your turn and yet it's your choice to hold on to it? Oh, everyone else is getting their turn, but I can't get up. Well, of course you can't get up. Can't move your arm. Do you get it? Simple but true. Today is your day. If you will let it go, I believe God will come in like a rushing wind and take you to new heights. But it's your choice. There's a very, very famous, probably the most famous situation where someone looks back and it's with Lot's wife. Um, Lot and uh, his wife and their family lived in Sodom and it was a horrendous place of lawlessness and nothing of God. It was everything that you could think possibly in humanity which is not good was happening there and they were living in the thick of it Uh, and, and... Moses had been crying out for his, for his nephew and, and angels came in and said to Lot, we're getting you out of here because this place is so bad, God's going to take it out. But we're going to get you out of here. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, this is good. And, and this is where we pick it up in Genesis 19. It's verses 15 to 17 and, and then verse 26. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, that's important, turn to the person next to you and say, while he lingered. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. (coughs) The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. 
So it came to pass when they had been brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Turn to the person on the other side and say, do not look behind you. Nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. And then it jumps on to verse 26. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Probably the most famous passage about don't look back. Uh, we went to um, Alton Towers uh, last week, uh, me and the family, because we love that kind of stuff. And there's a ride called Oblivion. And what Oblivion does is it takes you up and there's this massive uh, vertical drop. And it takes you up and then hangs you over the edge. And you're hanging there in this ride. It was blowing a gale and it was pouring with rain. It was slapping my face. But then the ride says this, don't look down. <laughs> so what does everyone do? Literally everyone's looking down. God says... Don't look back. Yeah. There was a time, no, I was going to tell, there's a story of Sarah and I on a train to, uh, to, to London and uh, the train had come to a standstill and um, the guy, on, we'd been there for 20 minutes and it was like, oh, oh you know, what on earth's going on? Then the announcer says, um, there's been an incident, please, um, please don't look out the right hand side of the train. I'm telling you, half the train looked out the side of the train and there was a site there that was just not pleasant and someone had jumped in front of a previous train and was laying there. And he's, don't look out the window. So what does everyone do? Looks out of the window. It's just like almost, is it part of our humanity that we have to do what we're not supposed to do? God says, don't look back. Lot's wife. (laughs) Two things to consider out of that passage. Lot's wife, in verse 17, you know, she, she told not to look back, and yet she looked back. Lot's wife had become so familiar with living outside of God's highest that she lost her identity that could have been in God's best. And so when she was called to God's best, she was so familiar with what she'd known, she had to look at it again. And she has now become more famous for looking back at what was bad instead of where she could have been famous as a, as a hero of the faith. Do you see? How many of us are really famous for always talking about what happened to us? Oh, God, I don't get my breakthrough. And God, it never seems to my... Yeah, but you don't shut up about what happened 10 years ago. Let it go. Let it go. True. Do you hear me? It's time to choose to let it go. And stop looking back. Because otherwise you're going to become more famous for your average past instead of your brilliant future. It's going to be your turn. And the other thing there that I think is really important, and I think it speaks to all of us in verse 16, it said, do not linger. And what did they do? Lingered. Here they are living this horrendous life in this awful situation, so much so that the judgment of God is coming on it. And the angel says, it's time to go, let's go. And what do they do? Faff about. I want to take it into something amazing. I want to take it into something amazing. But no, 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 we want to linger in our mediocrity. We want to linger in what we're familiar with. We want to linger in this, even when it's horrendous. And God's saying, you keep saying you want it to be your turn, but you're still living there. It's time to get up. It's time to walk out of that situation and have faith that I'm going to take you somewhere good. Can you see? I wonder how many of us are lingering when God's saying, you know, you want to start a business? Well, start your business then. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Stop lingering in the mediocrity. Start the business. 
You want to have a ministry? We'll start the ministry then. You know, you want to have a baby? We'll try for a baby then. Well, you, you want to have a partner? Well, put yourself out there then. But what we do is we keep lingering in what we know and moaning about it. It's like, oh, you just want to slap someone sometimes. <laughs> but come on, real talk. The angels had to grab his hand and say, no, come on now. This is my attempt as your pastor. Grab your hand and say, come on now. Let's not live in this horrendous mediocrity and whatever it is you're resting with. There is more for you. It really is your turn. But we have to choose. And we have to stop looking back. We're not pretending the past hasn't happened. That's not it at all. But we are saying God can redeem it. And we are saying it doesn't have to impact your future. Because God's got a good future for you. <coughs> Last passage here in Revelation 2, verse 17. I hope this encourages you. Revelation 2, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God's speaking to you. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name will be written. No one knows except him who receives it. Here's the thing. We've all got a past. We've all been through some stuff. Lot's wife is remembered for that. Maybe some of us are remembered for that. Maybe you remember yourself for that. But God says this, hear me, hear me, church. I'm giving you a white stone. And on that white stone is a new name. You're going to know him. And the Father's going to know him. And it's going to be a blessing to you. And the white stone's significant. Because back in the day in ancient times when they had trial, someone would come to trial, the jury would discuss and bring their verdict. And the way they would bring their verdict would be not guilty or guilty. If they were guilty, they would bring out a black stone guilty if they were not guilty they would bring out a white stone not guilty I don't know what your past looks like but I know this God is saying to you not guilty today is your day of freedom today is your day not just to know that stuff but by faith walk out that stuff today is the day to leave the past behind and say God's given me a new name I'm a hero of the faith I'm here to change the world. I'm here to bring heaven to earth. I'm here to show someone what the love of Jesus looks like. I'm not going to tell people all about it. I'm going to show them about it. I'm going to buy someone a meal. I'm going to give someone a hug. I'm going to give someone my time. I'm going to bless someone in some way because I want to show someone because that's who I am. Yeah, I've got a past. And if I look back long enough, it's a bit embarrassing. But you know what? I don't look back. I look forward. Doesn't Paul write in Philippians? Forgetting what is past, I press on to the goal. You know, it's all through the word. Church, it's time to let the past go. Stop letting it dictate your life because it's your turn. There's a white stone with your name on it. If only you'd pick it up and say, thank you. Not guilty. And from that place, stand up. Let go of the things that have hurt you and walk forward. Just you watch it become your turn. Today's your day. Can I invite you to stand?
Jesus. Let me just invite you to close your eyes, just a, a bit of ministry moment. Give the person next to you a bit of privacy. I hope that's stirring something in you. Father God, I want to thank you for every amazing, amazing person stood in this room, for every amazing, amazing person who might listen to this on a podcast. Bless you. It's your turn. Come on, let me stir faith in you again. It's your turn. It's your turn. Yes, the person next to you too, but you, it's your turn. It's your turn. But Jesus is looking to partner with you. Stand up. Do that thing that takes a bit of faith. Do that thing that gets you out of your comfort zone. Do that thing that takes you out of what's normal to you so that you could step into the extraordinary. Jesus. I, as I was preparing this message, I felt like there would be people who need some healing of their past maybe have struggled to let their past go and and if they're being honest or if you're being honest with yourself it still is in your thought process it still does affect you and it's the day the day you say God I genuinely give it to you every eye's closed to you if that's you just give me a wave because we're going to pray bless you there bless you bless you bless you thank you Jesus Take take your opportunity I know there's more thank you Jesus Lord thank you for these amazing people who are saying yeah that's me I want to say to you, specifically for you, not guilty, forgiven, cleansed, righteous, holy, because of Jesus. I'm going to give you just 10 seconds to do your own business with the fathers and say, Lord, I let it go. Today's the day I'm moving on. Go on, you pray your prayer. Lord, by the authority you've given me, I release people from their past, their regrets, their hurts, their disappointments. We say you have no authority or power over us anymore. Today we choose to put our mind on Christ, who's leading us forward, because it's my turn. Come on, church, is there some fire in your belly? Is there some fight in your belly to say, it's my turn, I'm grabbing hold of it, I'm getting active. I'm not just talking about it, hearing about it, I'm doing something about it. Come on, let me stir some action in the church. Faith partnered with action just brings great results. Come on, what is it you need to do? Come on, let me stir you, church. What do you need to do? We'll do it then. Have that conversation, push that door, start that thing, stop that thing, whatever it is for you. Be stirred, because it's your turn. I break the power of anything in history that is affecting us today, in Jesus' name. And I say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and fill and empower your saints to live the extraordinary lives you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as everyone keeps their eyes closed, is there anyone today who feels like I'm not right with Jesus? Is today the day you put your life right with Jesus? You want to live this extraordinary life. You want to let your past go. You want to know what forgiveness feels like. 
is today your opportunity to say, I'm getting right with Jesus. If that's you and you feel stirred today, give me a wave. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Cool. Everyone's good today, but I'll always give that opportunity. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to hand over to the worship team and not lose the moment.